Hi, this is Steve Anderson, and you're listening to This Is Disco. Greetings, dance floor darlings. You're listening to This Is Disco. A monthly Danny and Kylie Minogue commentary podcast. With your hosts, Adam Eve and Eliza Day. The kettle's probably on. Ruth. I love it. I love it. You gotta hear this song. A wombat. Hello, my fellow lovers and stannies, and welcome to June's instalment of the Danny and Carly Minogue commentary podcast, This Is Disco. Adam is my name, and I'm, of course, joined by my wonderful co-host, Ms. Eliza Day. Hello, dear Eliza. How are you? I'm very good. Happy Pride. Oh, thank you. Happy Pride. Yes, happy Pride to everyone listening. <laughs> yes. Um, how are you? Yeah, good, good, good. And uh, how's things with you? Oh, yeah, we both sound really tired. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're, like, oh. both like, we're both like, hi. <laughs> it's, uh, oh. it's been one of those uh, weeks, months, I'd say. <laughs> it has. But we did have um, the pleasure of talking to someone lovely for this episode, which we'll get to. So that's that's definitely been a bright spot. Yes, yes. We've got a very exciting episode for you all as we do something a little different to what I guess is considered our norm. Old school fans of both Smash Hits magazines in the UK and Australia will recognise the name of a very special guest this month. From underneath the headlines of our favourite interviews from the glory days of our childhoods and teenage years. We are speaking to the one and only Mark Andrews on This Is Disco today. But Eliza, what is it that we are chatting to Mark about this month on the pod? We are chatting to him about his new book called Kylie Song by Song, which goes through, as the name might suggest, every Kylie song right. to exist. So amazing. Uh, yes. Before we do sit down with Mark in our virtual studio, though, <laughs> Eliza, please fill me and our lovely listeners at home in on the last month and spill everything that you know that's transpired in the world of Minug. Well, we're probably going to be here for a couple of hours because it's been <laughs> a lot just in this past week. Been a busy alone. <laughs> So we are recording this after Kylie's birthday. Right. Happy birthday, but, Kylie. Yes. Happy birthday, Kylie. But we did speak to Mark before that and before ABBA. Right. So this will become apparent as the episode goes on <laughs> in case you're like, wait, what are you talking about, ABBA? So, um, let's start with Danielle Jane Minogue. So, first of all, thank you to everyone who gave us feedback about our Danty Tour episode, which seems like a lifetime ago. Doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're looking at me like, what episode? That's yeah, like no. three episodes ago. It like it, doesn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, it was so good to still keep getting everyone's, like, fantasy set lists and, yeah, just a lot of fun. And we do still have the Record Doctor episode... We do, indeed. Coming up. Yes, yes. I still can't remember what date it was I'd pinned it in for, but I know um, I know when we're recording, so that's good. Yes, yeah, so we'll be playing <laughs> probably about three hours of Danny B-Sides. Right, over on the Record Doctors Mixcloud yes. page. But yes, keep an eye on our socials and we'll talk about that at the end anyway, yeah, just to yeah. remind you, you can pop it in your diaries. Yes, and speaking of Danny, um, her podcast has had some fabulous new episodes. Yes, so, it has. oh my god, there's the the nineties dance. Oh, yeah, amazing! Right up my alley too. <laughs> um, oh, it was such a great episode. And the latest one is on nineties pop princesses, including 
a very impossible one. Oh, well. Like to mention. Also up our alley. <laughs> yes. So that's definitely worth listening to. Again, I'm sorry, people outside of Australia, if you can't catch that. It's on the listener app for those of you who can. But also... Um, there will be an upcoming episode where she has asked fans to share the times that they've met celebrities in the 90s. Right. Which I'm fascinated to hear that. My own story would be meeting her in the 90s, (laughs) which I've spoken about. But um, I wanted to read something out to you that one of our listeners had responded. I must have shared it in our Instagram stories about, you know, this is the episode coming up. And they messaged and said, oh, I, I wish it was after the 90s, because that's when I met her. So let me make sure. I'm going to get the name wrong because I think they're from Brazil. Yes, they're from Brazil, so I don't want to butcher the Portuguese language. But it says that their name is Junior, and I that's all I'll say because I don't want to ruin <laughs> the Portuguese language. Anyway, so I have permission to share this. So um, when she released The Hits and Beyond in Melbourne... At the time I was studying there, I was 16 back then, camped outside since early morning, and boom. When I told her I came from Brazil, she immediately changed into this is it mode. (laughs) Um, She was the sweetest. We danced, we laughed, and all of the fans were so supportive. She asked me to not leave until the end of the event. I was snapping some pictures of her before she left, and she walked to me, gave me a super tight hug, and thanked me for supporting her. It was a Dream, a true dream meeting, and thinking about it, I get chills. Her energy was fantastic, and every time I listen to Dan, I get the same energy from that day. Amazing. I would have, I was in that line. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I was in that line. So I would have been in that line with Ben, Michelle, and our friend Patrick from oh, Paris. Amazing. From memory. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, that's just. Classic Danny being um, an absolute angel to her fans. Yes. So I just really wanted to share that. Um, also, big, big Danny news. She has manifested herself into a proper matchmaker on TV. Right. <laughs> I, I think it's probably filming in Europe, from what I understand. Yeah. I Kissed a Boy is a new matchmaker show. Gay Men, is it 10 of them? I think so, yeah. Yes, yeah, so... I was about to say, if you're auditioning, let us know, but you probably can't because you have to sign some NDA or something. But, you know, just, you know, into the DMs. Oh, yeah. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> that would be amazing. So I think that's being filmed probably over summer. Right, yeah. I would imagine, like, European summer. Yes. And the end of May marked 40 years since Danny started as a team member on Young Talent Time. If you can believe that. Wow. Incredible. 40 years, which is my 40-year anniversary of being <laughs> a stanny. <laughs> my 40-year anniversary Is that a new word? anniversary, <laughs> Yes, that's the one. anniversary. So, yeah, I feel a thousand years old. Um, but Kylie, where hasn't Kylie been? Right. Over the past month, it has been very busy for our. Just, every time I every time I open Twitter or Instagram, there she is again. It's <laughs> been a a fever dream, oh, if you will. <laughs> so, let's go back to the Cannes Film Festival when we had Kylie eating her magnums with Peggy Goo right. remixing "Can't Get You Out of My Head." Um, oh, there was some amazing new shots of her for promoting Kylie Wine, 
at our friend Rob's restaurant, Commune Wine. Oh, amazing. So, little shout out to our friend Rob. So, if you're in Melbourne and would like to recreate some of those photos, <laughs> book yourself a table at Commune Wine at Southgate. Yes. And you too can look as fabulous as Kylie did in those shots. And that was, I think that were, were those shots were taken by Michelle Tran and, of course, styled by Nick Lord. That was for the Financial Times. Kylie was at the Abba Voyage big opening night. Mm-hmm. Of course, very full circle moment for her. Yes. You know, with Dancing Queen and but we talk a little bit about that in our interview with Mark. Right. So yeah, that Abba event looked amazing. It seems like everyone but you and I were at that. <laughs> That's what it feels like. I know, I know. <laughs> oh. And then of course, Kylie popping up at everyone else's gigs. So let me just say ahead of time that manifesting works. So the lovely Tash, who did our artwork, her and I were speaking a couple of months ago when she had mentioned that she was going to see Jessie Ware on May 28th. Right. Immediately. We were both like, do you reckon? Is it possible? Didn't even know if Kylie was in the UK at that point because technically she lives here. Right. (laughs) We never see her, but technically she lives here. So, you know, every so often it would come up again. And I think about a week before it was like manifesting, Tash seeing Kylie at Jessie Ware. Like I wrote it like, you know, five times in a row. Just get manifesting it, manifesting it. And then... (laughs) I got the next morning to this message that just said, manifesting works. Amazing. Though, have you seen all those clips of Kylie on stage with Jessie Ware? Bloody wonderful. Just, oh my goodness. I was so happy for everyone in that crowd. Like, what an absolute gift to see that live. Just amazing. And then, so she's finished up with that. Then she's popped across to the US to launch her Kylie Wines Mm -hmm. across the pond. And she has been everywhere doing wine signing. I want a wine signing. I don't mean to whine about not having a wine signing, (laughs) but I'm going to whine. So she's been popping up doing wine signings in New Jersey, in Manhattan, Miami. She is all up and down the East Coast. And we are very, very lucky, 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 to have one of our very loyal and lovely listeners, Joe, who lives in upstate New York and got the locomotion all the way down to Manhattan for the, I think it's called 67 Wine. Anyway, we'll let him tell the story about his experience meeting Kylie at the wine signing in Manhattan. Hi, Adam. Hi, Eliza. Thank you so much for inviting me to say something about my experience at Kylie's Wine Launch here in the U.S. I went to the event in New York City at a little place called 67 Wine, got there around 1 o'clock, picked up my bottles, and I got right in line. And let me tell you, waiting in that line was a lot of fun. It was just so cool to see all the things that the American lovers brought to have signed, hear how they got into Kylie. Uh, There was a ton of Aphrodite vinyl, which really surprised me and made me quite a bit jealous. I'm not going to lie. It's just an experience you really don't get here. You know, most people, you say Kylie Minogue, they say who? So being around other Americans who also shared a love of Kylie was it was very cool to be honest <laughs> um, I saw bright light bright light pass by 
There was a girl that was dressed exactly like Kylie in the slow video. Just really cool energy. Uh, anyways, Kylie showed up a little after five. I went in around 6.30. They took my phone and handed it to Kylie's makeup artist, Christian, and he was playing photographer. And as you'd expect, everything after that was just a blur. Um, originally, she was only allowed to sign one item, uh, you know, just to keep things moving along. However, after she signed my bottle, Kylie took it upon herself to just break the rules and she started signing my shirt, said, I'm going to do this whether you want it or not. And I was just so over the moon. I don't think anything coherent came out of my mouth uh, other than a lots of OMGs and thank you. So I <laughs> uh, stumbled down the stairs, hadn't even had a sip of the wine yet. And I got to see just how long that line was. I mean, all the way down the block, wrapped around the building. I don't know when she stopped, but it was a fantastic turnout, especially since it really wasn't that advertised. Um, one of the uh, people that was working the event, he said he sat down with Kylie the night before, and, and she just kept going on and on about how excited she was to do this and, and how much she loves us. So, Kylie, if you're listening by chance, thank you so much for bringing the wine to the States and for kicking it off in such a special way. And to my fellow Americans, get a bottle or 12. Call your local fine wine store. Tell them to get it stocked because, first of all, it's delicious. And, you know, it's about to be the summer with Kylie Minogue wines here. So, Adam Eliza, thank you so much again. And thank you for all you do on the podcast. Oh, my God. That was so, so sweet. Thank you so much, Joe, for sharing that story with us. My God, what an incredible event that sounds like. But my God, she really has been everywhere, hasn't she, Eliza? She's been joining Coldplay on stage, yes. appearing in little um, small clubs, Cafe Carlisle. She did a little jazzy few numbers of some mm. of her best hits. So, I mean, anyone who regularly listens to us is also regularly across socials and has probably seen all of these clips yes. <laughs> multiple times. I believe Miami is also next. Right, okay. So, and I mean, I'm assuming she'll duck across to LA, maybe? I don't know. Do you know what I do want? I am trying to manifest her and Gloria somewhere performing while she's right. in New York. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That would make sense. So, right. ma manifesting that as well. Lots, lots to be manifested at the moment. Um, she's also doing the talk show circuit, which yes. I believe you watched... Yes. Yeah, so she was a guest on Andy Cohen's Watch What Happens Live on the Bravo Network. The episode's still not up on Hey You as yet, and the clips haven't been released on YouTube, but they are on the Bravo website at the time that we were recording, so I watched them before we jumped mm -hmm. into the studio. Uh, the first video that I saw was a segment called Disco or Discard, where they went through Kylie's old, some of Kylie's old looks, and she had to decide whether they were disco or she discarded them and threw them in the bin. Of the five looks, <laughs> Kylie said disco to them all. As she should. As she I can't think of well a should. single bad look. Um, Please. They also talked about the locomotion. Then... Andy asked her what her ultimate gay anthem was, and she said that there's many, but at the top of her head, I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. <gasps> uh, in regards to her favourite musical or show tune, she said Moulin Rouge, because I'm in it, and it's also very good, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. 
Uh, her favourite Kylie cover, Jose Gonzalez's Hand on Your Heart, which then, of course, led to the Abbey Road Sessions version. Right. Her favourite current Kylie song, she said that Can't Get You Out of My Head is having quite the revival at the moment. Right. And she's... Uh, and Andy asked her in regards to an artist that she was a huge fan of that maybe we wouldn't expect from her. And she said the jazz artist from New York, Blossom Deary, who was her uh, gateway into jazz. Did you also see that clip where, you know, when listeners or viewers, whatever, sorry, ask questions and someone had asked about, you know, it was rumoured that you'd done a, a track with Robbie again, you know, aside from kids, like what's right. happening with that? And, you know, as many people know, they had done a track called Disco Symphony that Robbie had done for her. Mm. What was it, 2015? I'm probably getting that wrong. Um, But I think it was around then. Anyway, so it's come up a lot over the past couple of years, ever since she released Disco. It's like, oh, is is it going to happen now? Right. Um, And he, within the past 24 hours, has announced his new album, which is coming up, which is sort of a greatest hits to celebrate his 25th anniversary mm-hmm. as a, you know, solo artist. Very excited about that, as a side <laughs> note. Um, and Disco Symphony is on the track list. So Ooh. everyone kind of lost their mind. Oh, wow. But then within hours, I think this was just probably coincidence, someone had asked, you know, w- will we ever get see that collaboration? And she said, oh, I think that's been set aside. So... As Oprah would say, what is the truth? Right. Hmm. Interesting. So I've been speculating on the on the Twitters uh, about what is going on there. Is it like more of a solo version with him? Does Kylie maybe not know that he's dropped this news? Awkward. <laughs> She's about to find out. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Ooh. we're very keen to see how that unfolds. But right. um, also, so one more thing um, before we get into our interview with Mark. I don't know how to bring this up, Adam. It's such a weird topic. It doesn't go at the end of the episode. So bizarre. I know. And anyone who knows us in real life or just even listens to us regularly is probably going to laugh at the absurdity of this. So anyway, just to clarify, after an interesting DM we had on Instagram mm-hmm. suggesting that we were uh, influencers and, or I don't know, I assume in some kind of affiliation with certain brands. Right. I'm trying not to get into it because it's It's just ongoing. so ridiculous. It's ongoing, shall we say. Um, we're here to support and celebrate Kylie and Danny. We're two friends. We put a podcast together because we love them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anytime we mention any project that either of them are doing, it's because we're like proud parents. <laughs> We're excited for them. We're not affiliated with the listener app, um, Target, Kylie Wines, um, what else? Any record label, Spec Savers. Right. If you see us promoting, promoting is the wrong word. If you see us sharing stuff that they're up to, it's because we're excited. Right. I mean, listen, look, I, I used to be affiliated with Target if I was there for seven years and I got made redundant by them, and we're still sharing their stuff. So, you know, it doesn't really... It's just so bizarre. Yeah, of course we would share that stuff because we are a Danny and Kylie Minogue podcast. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, you know, even, like, I don't know, I think both you and I are the type of people who get excited 
not just for our favourites doing great stuff, but our friends and our loved ones and family. If like mm-hmm. we're I like to think you and I are great cheerleaders, so oh yeah, you know we're getting excited about our friend Rob's restaurant being used for Kylie photos. We're not <laughs> in collaboration right. with him. We're just yeah, super yeah. excited that our friend got to like <laughs> hang out with Kylie and have her at his restaurant. So um, anyway, I guess the point I'm trying to make is disclaimer, we are not influencers. The fact that I'm even saying this out loud is absurd and embarrassing. I mean, not to say that we wouldn't take money or sponsorship at the oh, drop of a quite hat. Happily, if, if anyone wants to turn us into influencers, I'm still not working. So I, I, it, it, please. Please, the DMs are always open, and so is the PayPal tip jar. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's... I'm being a bit vague, but I really wanted to put that disclaimer out because that little situation has been... If it wasn't so annoying, it would be amusing. Maybe we'll laugh at it at some point, but right now it just feels so stupid. Yes. Anyway, um, moving on to more important things... (laughs) uh, Oh my gosh, do you know what I did forget to mention? And because this is very important. On the shocked anniversary, <laughs> this is about Jazzy P. It's obviously important. Right. We did a little right. post on Twitter and I just said, this is a Jazzy P appreciation post because <laughs> if you ask someone to sing shocked, they're going to the rap. Let's be real. And she responded and she was like, you know, great times, something like, you know, would love to do it again or something like that. And I'm mm. like, um, do we need to manifest getting Jazzy P on stage with Kylie? <laughs> I mean, I already am. <laughs> but I just wanted to, like, remind everyone that that's what we need to be manifesting because I'm, I'm definitely ready to see that happening again. Now that we've covered all of that, Eliza, shall we head into the virtual studio for our chat with Mark Andrews? Our very special guest today is a name many a UK or Australian pop nerd will remember from the glory days of pop music magazines. A writer and editor for Smash Hits, Mark Andrews was the man living out all our childhood and teenage dreams, chatting with the biggest pop stars all over the globe. Celebrating the release of his latest book, The Amazing Kylie Song by Song, it is an absolute honour to welcome onto This Is Disco, Mark Andrews. Hello, Mark. How are you? Hey. Hello. Greetings from kind of sunny London. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely not sunny Melbourne right now. It's very no. dark and chilly. <laughs> very well, dark and chilly. It's supposed to be summer here, so that's the thing. You probably have better weather in Melbourne than we do in London. So. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> why, why Kylie fled back home to Melbourne, I'm guessing, so after however many years here. I right. know. Will, will you be following suit? Well, actually, I'm coming in a couple of weeks, and um, because, you know, obviously I haven't been able to get to Australia for a couple of years. You guys right. have been landing. So, yes. And I'm desperate to get to my, um, see my parents, obviously see my parents, but also under my parents' spare bed, they have my entire collection of my Smash Hits Australia <gasps> and um, all my treasures and stuff that have been sort of trapped under the bed. And I'm trying, I really want to get that stuff because now that's 30 years since um, I went back to Australia and started working as the editor there. So I wanted to do a lot of that stuff on my, um, my Poptastic page that I do on Facebook. So I wanted to go through and find all that stuff. There's a, a lot of there's a really uh, great archive um, for the UK edition. That there's a couple yes. of people together that you probably have seen, but the Australian one there's virtually nothing. You know, it's just been decimated. It's just been thrown away because I guess 
you know, sadly, pop in Australia was seen as disposable and throwaway. And so a lot, most of that stuff kind of, you know, has been disposed of or thrown away, sadly. So I want to get that stuff, scan some of that, put it all up so people can see. It'd be really interesting because, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in that year, 92, obviously, that would be very yeah. interesting. And to compare the UK editions to, uh, to the Australian one as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so that's, sorry, that's the only answer to a question, sorry. <laughs> yes, oh, I'm, no. I am coming back to Australia for at least for a couple of weeks anyway in June. Excellent. I know this is not this is probably going to shock some people, but I did it with the best intentions. My Kylie collection, which I'd collected over 30 years, I gave to um, a friend of mine. Now, before you gasp too much, he works for Kylie and he and obviously Michael Gudinski, who has now since passed. Wow. And I gave him all of my collection of Kylie. This is in 2019, um, early 2019. And uh, I said, please give this to Michael Gudinski and tell him he has to start a Minogue museum with this. This is the starting point of this. You know, if Abba can have one, Carly needs one, and it needs to be in Melbourne. So I've given it to him. So it's there waiting. And um, I don't know what, you know, where we are now, obviously, because Michael's passed. But mm. you know, there needs to be a Minogue Museum in, in, in Melbourne. That does. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, all of that stuff that I had, you know, there was collector stuff that I had from, you know, when I worked at Smash It's in the UK, that we had all yeah. this stuff, special stuff and whatever. So... It's all there, so hopefully at some point let's get that happening. People well, we're manifesting a lot of things this year, so we will add that to our vision board. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> our vision board is just ever expanding, so this is another thing that's very, yeah. very important, no obviously. It needs to happen. It, it does. It really does. It's Melbourne's Minogue Museum. So, yeah, I guess for a lot of Australians... You know, Danny was the gateway drug, <laughs> if you will, to Kylie. Right. What, but and you know, I've spoken on the podcast before, but that was that was my you know entry, mm. if you will. But I don't think I've ever asked you how did you discover Kylie. Was it locomotion for you? Yeah, it would have been because that's the first the first album that I had was the first Kylie album. That's, right. That's the first album I remember, sort of going to the shop with the first oh Kylie album, I remember going to the shop with mum to buy, <gasps> but I don't remember how that happened. Right. Because I was just way too young. Yeah. Cause you would have been what, six or something? Um, 88, yeah, I was 83 five, cause I was born 83. Right. Mm, so I don't remember much of it, but I remember the action of buying the record <gasps> and watching the video clips and being obsessed that's so cute that i remember <laughs> but not so much else have, so i guess it wouldn't have been um you know how it was kind of uncool to like kylie and stuff right but i guess if you were five I nothing's uncool well i didn't five. understand any of that because i was right because i was hardcore madonna fan as well Right, right. So, and that was because I had, you know, young parents and mum was a huge Madonna fan and my auntie was a huge Madonna fan, so that was always yeah. going to be around. Right. And it just that was that was what deeply influenced me <laughs> the most yeah. out of everything that they listened to. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, Australia as well was so rock heavy mm. at that time, but I guess if you were in your own little pop bubble, as I guess both you and I were... It didn't matter. So, right. you know, you and I have spoken a lot about this in the past. And we've spoken about how Michael Gudinski really championed Kylie yes. in spite of the pushback. But um, Mark brought that up as well. So shall we hear what he has to say on that? 
so I guess our first question in regards to Kylie, like obviously you have a big connection with Kylie and her music career, but being from Melbourne, being from Australia, did you, like a lot of us, start with Danielle on Young Challenge Time? Was that your gateway? Was Danielle your gateway to Kylie? Um, possibly. I mean, I'm actually probably a little bit sort of older than, um, you know, because, you know, I was going into gay bars, you know, because I'm 56 now. So, you know, I went to a, a gay place in 1984. So, you know, right. before, maybe Danny was probably just only just on Young Talent Time at that stage, I'm guessing. When uh, Kylie started, I, I don't think I sort of took much notice of, of her really, because I think I was a huge Bananarama fan probably at that stage. Right. I mean, I was also, remember I was at university and uh, I don't know if Stockhead Kamordam and Bananarama were probably considered very cool at that, that point. <laughs> <laughs> or watching Neighbours or something, but... Yeah. Um, but as, as so were, you, were you watching Neighbours? Um, or I watched, were you get yeah, on for that? Okay. I don't know. I watched, uh, I watched a little bit on and off kind of thing, but you know, I wasn't a devotee or anything. But so what happened, I just want to uh, cut this so it's not too long, the story. So in, I finished my university degree and then I moved to Sydney. And my plan was just to go to London. I wanted to go to London. That was the be all and end all for me. London was the, the hub of youth culture, pop culture, pop music. That's where I had to be kind of thing. I knew that. And so I said, you know what, I'll just get any job I can um and to, to pay for a flight to get me and my boyfriend over to to london so um i got a, a, a job selling tickets um in sydney uh, at the railways i used to sell tickets at town hall redfern station and uh, north sydney wow and, I mean, it was the worst job you can imagine it was so <laughs> horrible it was so terrible the, the hours were horrendous just hideous and i hated it so much that what i did I, and i knew that smash hits had moved from melbourne to sydney by this stage and um so I wrote them a letter and I said, I'm so fabulous. I'm so amazing. You, I should work for you. And they wrote me back a letter on letterhead, on Smash It's letterhead. So I was so excited. And they said, um, you know, thanks for your letter, but there's nothing available. And I was just so excited that they'd written back to me. I pinned that on my little notice board. And I was like, look at me. I got a letter from Smash It's. Aren't I great? Two weeks later, I got another letter from Smash It saying, something has become available. Please come in and see us. Oh. So I went in and saw them. And of course, I took my copies of uh, the university newspaper that I had, where I had my um, my glowing review of Bananarama's Wow album in there and took that <gasps> in, which, which of course dazzled them because they thought no university student could possibly love Bananarama album. Right. And uh, <laughs> in there, and James Manning, who was the editor, he said to me, so when can you start? And I said, well, I need to give two weeks notice So in two weeks time. So two weeks later, there I was, started at Smash Tits. And the very first thing I wrote, as I mentioned in my book was, um, uh, I mean, this is when we had typewriters as well. We didn't have a computer. <laughs> and the guy said, okay, we've got a competition to win one of 25, I should be so lucky, VHSs. Oh Can you gosh. write this? Uh, the guy whose name was Andy Fife, who later went on to be a serious rock journalist for Q Magazine later on. And I said, okay, sure. So I went, blah, 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 and wrote it. And I gave it to him and he said, you're going to fit right in here. Oh, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was the start of my smash hits and my Kylie career. Because then when I realized Kylie was Stockacker and Waterman from there, I mean, I wasn't a fan of the Locomotion song, particularly too many guitars for me, the original. I thought it was too she... triggering from your day at the train station, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> well, that could be as well, yes. <laughs> but once she was with Stockacker and Waterman, I was just there kind of yeah. thing. You know, and so that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I mean, you know, a beautiful relationship between me and Kylie, I guess, for those you know, seven years that I've worked at Smash Hits in Australia and uh, the UK then. Incredible. Well, we will get back to some more Smash Hits questions a little later on, but I want to talk yeah. about this book, Kylie Song by Song. It's fantastic. And 
I'm just curious how the yeah, amazing. Oh, look at that! Look at that! Love oh, it. We're getting a, a live a viewing of, of it on Zoom. Oh, amazing! I'm, I'm unboxing, but I'm not really unboxing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how did this fantastic book come to be, Mark? Yes, I so I just saw. I've got that picture in the uh, in the Pop Life book. There's the pop life book, yeah. So yes. there's, 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 there's that one, and there's the pop, there's the 1984 and the 2011. We knew Carly. Amazing. Yeah. So sorry, I, I mean, I, I, you want to ask me about the book. So, um, as with most things with me, and actually, I probably to do with Carly as I was thinking about it, um, um, it all happens with ABBA, actually. It all goes back to ABBA for me. Oh. <laughs> and I'll explain in a minute, but uh, I don't, I mean, I, I couldn't really sleep last night because I read this piece yesterday that got posted in The Independent. I don't know if you saw the piece that Kathy Lett, the Australian uh, comedian and writer, she wrote in The Independent. The story about when Kylie met Frida from ABBA. Oh, I saw then, something oh. Something came through my newsfeed on Twitter before. Yeah. And, there's, and, a, and there's a, there's a picture together and there's a whole story. I mean, it's behind a paywall, so you've got to sort of dig in front mm. to get to it. It's a hilarious, amazing story. But I have to just read you this bit too because I thought this Please. was so wonderful. Um, <laughs> From this piece, Kathy Letter is, is amazing. She she wrote Puberty Blues in case anyone in Australia yeah. knows that. That's uh, that's where uh, that's her most famous thing. But she said, um, "What I this this is her writing about uh, Frida and um, from Abba and Kylie. What I cherish about both these friends is that although dwelling in the stellar realms of stardom, they remain so gloriously grounded." Kylie will happily push back the furniture to give us girls some dance lessons, then stay late and pop on the marigolds, which are the gloves, to, to, get, um, to give us, uh, hang on, we'll pop uh, on the marigolds to help with the cleaning up. And Frida loves nothing more than a pint at the local country pub with a lot of loud, irreverent laughter. <sighs> and, all, and the story also mentions that, um, it, that Frida has invited Kylie to go with her to go and see the new Voyage um, concerts which uh, launch on this coming Thursday, next Thursday in uh, in London. So oh, we may be seeing finally together, Ab Abba and Kylie finally together. I mean, with the females, oh. it would be amazing. So, oh. yeah, so I was, I just had to, that was a big thing for me with, you know, Abba and Kylie. And so um, my friend wrote the, um, the Abba book in this song by song series, Ian Cole. He's an Australian guy, lives in Sydney. He's amazing. He, he is the world's leading fan authority on ABBA. I mean, right. Universal Music, go to him to check their stuff, you know, to get him to proof their stuff and, you know, oh, to give wow. them stuff. That, that's the kind of, that's how good he is kind of thing. So he, right. he, um, so he was asked to write this book and then he, he uh, contacted me and he said, look, I'm not a writer, but I love the stuff that you've written for Smash Hits and also uh, the stuff you write for DNA magazine, you know, the gay glossy that I write for in Australia. And he said, can you give me some help with this? And, and so I did. And, um, you know, helped him with the manuscript and so on. And at the end of that, I, um, I was thinking, you know, I could probably write a Madonna one of these or a Kylie <laughs> one, you know, of this. You know, and I thought, and I went in to look for them and there wasn't one. They had like Led Zeppelin and Electric Light Orchestra. And I was like, mm, don't read those. Um, <laughs> and I thought, well, I could probably do Madonna and Kylie. So I contacted them and I said, I could do you a Madonna one. And they said, oh, that would be great. Yes, excellent. And then we went into lockdown. Boom. Uh-huh. So literally the next six months, I just worked on that Madonna song by song book. And then we came out of lockdown again and I contacted them and I said, actually, I'm thinking I could do you a Kylie Minogue one. And they said, oh, that's great. That would be even better. And then boom, next lockdown. Right. So another six months. And so these are my lockdown projects. So the Madonna one just came out like about a month and a half ago. And then the Kylie one's just obviously coming out now this month. 
But, um, you know, they were written, you know, over that two-year period of uh, lockdown, basically, those books. They were my projects. Um, and my little babies that kept me going through lockdown, basically. Amazing. Wow. Well, we were saying before that, you know, I mean, I would say once a month on Twitter and or Instagram, you know, someone starts that debate on pitting them against each other. I mean, it's been going on. You look at old videos from the early 90s. It's someone asking yeah. Kylie a question about Madonna or whatever else. And it's so great that you doing both of these books, it kind of just <laughs> dispels that. You can be a fan of both. Right. Exactly. I'm a huge fan of both. And the thing is, I've never wanted to, I've had the opportunity to meet Madonna and I didn't want to because I've known people who've met her and interviewed her and, you know, they, they came away and they weren't fans anymore. It sort of, you know, oh. the, it broke the myth and the legend kind of thing because it made it too human kind of thing. Right. Where it's the opposite with Kylie because, you know, the first time I met Kylie was, it would be in early 1988 after I'd started at Smash Hits and she was at the fir very first ARIA award show and her publicist, um, Sue was her name from Mushroom Records, she came up to me and said, oh, do you want to meet Kylie then? And I went, okay. And uh, so I went up and I met Kylie and I'm, I'm pretty sure I was probably the only person there who was interested in meeting Kylie because if you remember at that time, I mean, she, she picked up the award for highest selling, I think it was highest selling single for locomotion. Mm, yeah. um, nobody thought she should be there. Nobody thought she belonged to the Australian music industry. They just thought she was a joke. What is she doing here? You know, who does she think she is kind of thing? You know, and I was really excited to meet her. Oh, she's working with Stockhack and Waterman. I love her, I love her, I love her. I kind of think so. Um, and so that was the very first time I, I met Kylie. And um, and then um, I can tell you the next time that I met her was a year later um, when I got to her to do review the singles for Smash Hits. And it was, oh, at, wow. the it was at the Siebel Townhouse, um, which is, since doesn't exist anymore, but um, a lot of stuff used to happen there. Interestingly enough, ABBA had, had a, a press conference there in 1977. So, you know, once again, ABBA and Kylie. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so we went, I went and I did this, um, and the press officer was still, her name was still Sue. She was there, and uh, we went, they had like a big suite at, in uh, the hotel there, and uh, I got in there, and there's Kylie. She was all in black, and she had like a little cool little hat on and stuff, I remember. And, <laughs> Uh, and we went Did her hair sink. come out through the hat or? <laughs> she was beyond this. She was beyond right. this. And you'll okay. understand why. She was beyond this. But she was cool. She had like this cool sort of biker cap on. Right. Um, and um, so we did the singles view and we laid all the singles out and listened to them on the floor kind of thing, which was really cool. And then afterwards she said, actually, this is the music I really want to listen to. And she pulled out, she had like this sort of um, sleeve of all these sort of CDs without covers. And they were all bootleg Prince CDs. It was like, oh, it was like the, the Black Album, I think it was, and all this wow. other kind of stuff, all this really rare print stuff kind of stuff. And uh, she's like, that's what I want to listen to. Kind of like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, I oh. like Prince too. <laughs> oh. And so I thought, oh, I've got a really big scoop here. And so I, I sort of left. And as I left, this big motorbike roared up to the front of the Siebel. Oh, I didn't really take any notice. The very next day, of course, what happened? Headline newspapers, Kylie and Michael Hutchins in Centennial Park, big first day. Oh, 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 wow. You know, this was the beginning of the big romance kind of thing, you know. And, you know, and I'd, there was this biker that showed up and, that, of course, Michael Hutchins. <laughs> right. <and I'm> like, <laughs> I've got my scoop, but the prince. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. The attention to detail is obviously incredible in this book. It's like, it's such an encyclopedia of Kylie music history. So how long did it actually take you to collate all that information and go through all those magazines and albums and songs? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, look, you know, a lockdown, I have to say, is the perfect way yeah. to you know, just be at home and just sort of be totally focused on one thing kind of thing. I mean, my husband just kept pointing me and saying, are you finished with this yet? Are you finished with this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, no. So originally, I mean, the book is now a bit less than 60,000 words. It was originally 150,000. Oh, wow. So, so what I had to do was, I mean, what I did was I basically said, I'm going to get all the information that's out there and then I need to prune it down so that it's the best information that you could possibly read. But um, I don't want it to be like Wikipedia. That's the thing. Right. Wikipedia is fine and it's factual. It does what it does, but um, it's not a fun read. And I wanted this to be a fun. And, you know, look, the other thing is also, you know, if you're a fan of someone, that devotion you have to, to your artist, I mean, you know, that's one of the great romances of your life, one of the great mm. loves of your life. And I wanted that when you read this book, that you feel that, that you feel this, you know, love for your artist, the love for the songs, that passion that you have. I wanted you to get that. That was really important for me. And I also wanted there to be jokes in there too. So actually, by the time I finished the Madonna one, I was like, you know what? I need more jokes in the Kylie one. So the Kylie <laughs> one has more jokes in there than the Madonna one. Which is right. If you want more jokes, there's definitely more jokes in there. But the other thing also is I also wanted it to be um, fun and not forensic. You know? Well, yeah, it is really fun. Like reading it, there were so many like fun facts. You know, we found even doing the podcast, like you think as a fan sometimes, you're like oh, I think I pretty much know most stuff. And then you like research and like, oh my God, how did I not know this? How has 30 years gone past? And I never knew this. The great thing is that, you know, when a lot of this stuff came out at the time, you know, we didn't have these, you know, we didn't have the internet. Right. So so now there's all this information that we have, like from all these different sources. So, you know, we can go back and I can find really interesting stuff about some of like those, that very early Stockhack and Warnman stuff that she did Mm. that maybe at I'm, nobody would have known nobody would have even realized kind of thing you know or that for example the um the uh, the version of word is out that became a big hit in australia the summer breeze version is based on dries the bones real love um basically you know and, and of course you know the guy who did that i think it was tony king um you know he only admitted this like very recently right. so you know at the time nobody kind of knew that or realized but you know now of course we can put it in the context of yeah yeah there was a few things that i was like Oh, right. And speaking of word is out, the fun fact that I was like, oh, I'm just going to write that down. Um, the director of the video oh, the director has dad such a was Judy Garland's doctor or something. No, First no, of all, his dad, his dad was Judy Garland's doctor and he was sort of implicated. It seems like he was kind of implicated in her death kind of thing. So, so it was, How it was did you find that directed. out? Like, well, because what, what I did was I mean, literally, you know, you go and find out, you know, who's so who directs this? And often, yeah, you know, yeah. In Wikipedia, it just stays there. Okay, James LeBron, or whoever his name was, uh, he, he directed it, kind of thing. Um, but then, if you actually dig and you really sort of saw stuff, you find out more stuff. Then, so yeah. you know, I really, I really went for deep dives on the internet and found this stuff. And then I thought, you know, that's such a fascinating, interesting, quirky fact. You know, that that well, that's, needs that's to the stuff it. that I pulled out. Like, I I, I loved exactly. reading about all the songs and the songwriter exactly. and who this. When I read that, I was like, oh, my God, that's the most interesting thing I could possibly think of. That, <laughs> yep. that his dad was Judy Garland's doctor kind of thing. You know, sadly, I mean, he passed away in, the, um, in probably the early 2000s. So this right. all kind of very mysterious. It all goes very quiet then. And no, you don't, don't kind of know what's going on there. As well as, like, the fun facts and stuff, there were so many, I guess, observations, the right word, throughout the book. And I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't, I hadn't noticed that or... Um, 
you know, so something about let's get to it being like, color me bads, I want to sex you up. And I'm like, yeah. oh, yes, yeah. like now that's all I can hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then suddenly, oh, it's crystal clear now, this makes sense. But at the time, you probably never would have thought that, never would have made the association, yeah. No. But because Mike Stock did this interview, you know, in um, I think it was Classic Pop did the, uh, you know, the Soccer Kamorderman special. And it was in that then that, that he mentioned that track and they mentioned that. And I thought, that's so good. And I've never heard that before. So yeah. you know, it's going finding all these little bits and pieces kind of thing, which sort of add up. And, you know, so hopefully when you read this stuff, you think, wow, I didn't know that. And that's really good. And that gives me that context. And now I understand, okay, that's kind of what they're aiming for. You know, Kylie was kind of sexing it up. But you yeah. know, I wasn't sure where they were going because the B sides and um, were all these sort of hardcore dance tracks, and then yeah. the A sides were kind of more pop or sort of R and B. So you could kind of see Stock come on and really didn't know what to do with Kylie at that point, kind of thing. And it kind yeah. of really showed them. So you know, I keep discovering little bits and pieces as I go through or finding stuff out, and I'm also finding a lot of the stuff that they did with um, Impossible Princess because it's 25 years now, obviously. Yes. Um, was released so i've been going back through the old smash hits and finding what they said about it and looking at that so all that stuff's actually coming up in later on in um, my podcastic side of the daily updates and feeds for that i loved as well the um saying that kylie invented the cone bra with made in heaven yeah <laughs> before i'm like yeah song. correct i love that song i mean i wasn't a, i mean or i still love you as it was called in australia it was a bit sort of, it didn't really work for me, but I love that Made in Heaven. And obviously mm. that kind of then, you know, the, the, the point where, you know, she was, she goes to very quickly, we're going to take it down that kind of much more you know, sort of dance, bit ravey, a little house kind of edgy. That period that Stockhack and Waterman did, so it would be like 89 to 90, that to me is their imperial phase. Mm. You know, that's really, it's the better, better the devil you know, you've got... Um, Donna Summers, this time I know it's for real, mm. and Ronald Gordon's happening all over again. And mm. Australians probably know those last two better as uh, the cover versions from the Young Divas. Yeah, I was about to, I was about <laughs> to say Young Divas, but I'm like, how long haven't you been here for? <laughs> yeah, so they, they were huge hits for the Young Divas because, you know, yeah. they did they, the Young Divas' first album was six Stockhack Waterman songs, yeah. kind of thing, mm. plus a few others as well. And I mean, look, if they'd done more Stockhack Waterman songs on their second album, they probably would have still had a career, I imagine. But, <laughs> agreed. Uh, agreed. Being, so mark this book wow just incredible i think it's probably the first time there has been a book that's taken kylie's music career her back catalog seriously you know and really yeah. realized it's 35 years you know this is a big body of work you know and it's not just shiny shiny um perfect pop you know she's gone off and done some really kind of weird quirky strange interesting amazing stuff from work huge big artists that you never would have imagined you know you never you know when she started you never would have thought oh she's going to go off and work with people like Coldplay or um you know she's that she's going to be doing you know amazing stuff with Scissor Sisters and uh, just huge names that, she, that she's worked with along the way kind of thing um, the Wiggles you never, the Wiggles as well and, look, you know, that's, that's the thing. and also the other thing of course is because she was with Mushroom Records in Australia you know let's not forget that when she signed to Mushroom Records in, in Australia I mean so many people thought this was such a bad mistake because yeah. you know, Mushroom was a cool record label. Michael Dinsky was a cool guy. They were a cool label. She's so uncool, Kylie. Yeah. She's got a She's a soap opera star. What does she know kind of thing, you know? And so there was this real big push against her kind of thing. But you know what? I have to say, Michael Gudinski, to his credit, you know, he, 
you know, he championed her yeah. all the way through. You know, and that's why, you know, she stuck with him all the way through because, you know, he really saw a star in the making. That's the thing, you know, and of course she was, you know, that's mm. the thing. And so many other people didn't see that, especially in Australia, people didn't mm. see it. And that's why she obviously had to go to the UK for so long to sort of prove herself, you know, the old tall poppy syndrome in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, you know, she, you know, now of course she's a national treasure and, you know, in, in both the UK and Australia. It's, it's very interesting that the, the story of Carla, I think people often forget that, you know, what she had to push against very early on, yeah. you know, and how, you know, she, not, you know, she managed to sort of, you know, stay nice. And, uh, you know, when, you know, there was so much stuff thrown at her, you know, the singing budgie, you know, and all mm. this stuff all the time kind of thing. And yet, you know, she stayed true to herself. She's, you know, she's still sweet and nice and still making records. And where are those critics? Probably long since gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that the huge X demo era leaks get their own section in the book. Mm. Why did should. you think that it was important for that leak to be given its own section? Well, I remember when it happened because I, and I mentioned in the book, you know, because I interviewed Calvin Harris mm. when he came to Australia. And, you know, back then he was this big, geeky, tall, Scottish gangster. <laughs> yes, he guy. was. I went to his shows then and he was very, yeah. very awkward and sweat all exactly. over me. <laughs> it was, it was a great show. You never would have thought he would become this, you know, Calvin Klein model. Hunk no. Kind of, he became kind of thing, dating all these, you know, fabulous pop stars, you know. Just never would have guessed it kind of thing, but stuff happens. Um, and, and I remember, so he told me this, this story because I knew that he was working on the Kylie record. And I said, so, you know, what happened? And he said, well, you know, the, someone stole the laptop and, you know, they all got shoved out or sold off to someone and, mm. you know, put up. So it's, it's a very, uh, it's very interesting because the same thing happened to Madonna just a couple of years later as well. Yeah. Very same thing. So my Madonna book has also a section for the Rebel Heart Leaks. You know, because you have to think, okay, there's so much stuff there. And people, if you just go to YouTube, you know, most of this stuff is up there. Yeah. So it's yes. going to be like, why is that stuff not in the books? So, you know, I think it needs to be addressed and also addressed in the cons in the um, the part that, you know, this was a leak, you know. Mm. And so even though, you know, we don't condone leaks and, you know, we, you know it's, it's not a, a great thing, obviously, for an artist. The fact that all this stuff is out there, you know, well, let's, let's um, look at it then. So I don't know about you, Adam, but all this talk about smash hits and stock ache and waterman in the 80s and early 90s got me reminiscing about all those smash hits, readers, polls, right. like, yes. I don't know about you, but I used to go through mine and furiously cross out the right. winners and put the correct winners in my eyes right. <laughs> onto the page. <laughs> So I thought it would be fun to, you know, in the spirit of a smash hits poll, um, ask our listeners over on Instagram, because um, that was all I could be bothered doing, just like full disclosure, why I didn't do it on Twitter. Well, after all those um, spreadsheets for the anti-tour and anti-tour, I'm tired. Right. Uh, understandably so. <laughs> of admin and data. So I just <laughs> kept it simple. Yes. Yeah, so I went to Instagram stories and I asked five questions. See, these are our five little awards, Amazing. I guess. Don't have any awards on hand, but um, I stuck because we were talking to Mark and his sort of main smash hits area was the late 80s, early 90s. He did go through past KM94, but I didn't include that in the poll because right. okay. 
just didn't want to complicate things right? Um, and just make life difficult for myself. <laughs> so um, I asked everyone what their favourite sort of things were from the Stock Aitken Waterman era. Mm. So first of all, best single award goes to, can you guess? No. Better the devil you know. That's what I would have chosen myself. It was almost what do I have to do? That was actually a tie race. It's probably number two for me as mm. well, honestly. That for the, yeah. the stocker, and number three, turn it into love. Oh, yeah, that that came into it, but yeah. um, I didn't do a spreadsheet. I just yeah, yeah, yeah. figured out figured out which one won, and then yeah. I deleted the rest. I'm like, I'm not going through all this. <laughs> Best video. Oh, what's yours? What do I have to do? That's the winner. Ah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that, that was getting a lot Taste, of Taste, everyone. Taste. I know. Mm. It, this was actually fascinating because you kind of think you know what everyone will choose and then things were coming through and I'm like, I didn't expect that. Even no. though, like, I would probably agree with that. I, I always think I'm in the minority with some of my tastes. <laughs> um, best album track. Best Stock Aiken and Waterman track. That's an album track. Mm. And there was, it was a tie. These two got Ooh. equal votes. What were they? Enjoy Yourself. Oh, okay. Yes. I was surprised at that. I don't know why. It's one of mine, but I was surprised. And Overdreaming Over You. Ah, interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I know. Like, the the same ones kept coming through. Um, And you'll love these last two awards. Best Album Art. Ah. I mean, there's only four to choose from. Right. (laughs) And the one that won, I assumed would win, but... It almost didn't. Oh. So can you guess? I, I can't hear her. <laughs> no, I've pretty much only got two votes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Adam's mouth has dropped oh in shock. God. He's shocked by the power, which should be a very good clue as to which album art. Oh, right. Rhythm of Love okay. won. But very close second, and at one point it was in the lead. Like, it was like, as I was telling it up and going through all the votes, I'm like, this is Eurovision. Like, I was tense. Let's get to it. Ah, right. Well, yes. I mean, stunning photos. It is. Very stunning But I realised as well, it was... It, sometimes it is quite hard to separate album art from the album that you love. Right. Like, I kind of had to put that aside, because it's like, you know, everyone kind of loves Rhythm of Love. Mm. I must admit, I think the Let's Get To It cover is... Oh, it's gorgeous. ...quite striking. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's stunning on it. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely Beautiful. And then the last award for the evening, I should have probably done album art, that feels like a final award, but whatever, was Best Single Art. Ah, okay. Do you have a fave? I think mine is Better Than Ever You Know. For single art? Single art, yeah. Yeah, someone specifically said the back, the back of the 12 inch. Oh, yeah, that's gorgeous. Yeah. But no, it was shocked. Shocked won that one. Uh-huh. But someone, <laughs> I forgot to mention, um, one of our lovely listeners, Stephen Lenton, said that his favourite album art was 50 plus one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think he was having a little little laugh, but um, I did appreciate it. Having said that, though, font aside, <laughs> I, when you zoom in on that picture, she does look gorgeous. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I do love that album. <laughs> Yeah, so the in the Aphrodite section, you said that in 2020, com selected Can't Beat the Feeling as one of their five Kylie album tracks that should have been singles alongside oh. Secrets, Sexy Love, Rollin' and Disco Down. 
So my question to you is what's your favourite album track that should have been a single? Mm -hmm. Favourite album track that should have been a single? Well, I mean, it has to be Miss a Thing from Disco. That's one of your all-time favourites, isn't it? The Disco, the extended mixes version, is the ultimate version. It just makes sense. On a similar wavelength, what was your favourite song to see performed at the anti-tour? You know what? I wish that she had done um, Made of Glass. I really do. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm just such a huge fan of that. It's it's sexy, it's poppy, um, and it's a little bit silly, but it manages to be all of those things and more kind of thing, you know, and that's that's oh. the essence of it. And I want to keep hearing it. Every time I hear it, I hear something different. Yeah. You know, that's the essence of a great pop song, is that you want to keep hearing it again and again kind of thing, you know. You can't get enough of it, basically. Is there a particular album cover artwork that you personally think is perhaps the most striking in her back catalogue or just your favourite? <laughs> well, I was—I mean, the most striking is, of course, you know, look, the the, uh, the stock Acre Mornings, the hat with the hair. Yeah, the hat. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what were they thinking? I mean, you know, why, why, why? And they kept doing with other artists, with Mel and Kim, with other people too. Yes. I've got those records too, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, why? Uh, but uh, that's just—I mean, that's so. Um, they're so busy. There's so so much going on there, you know, just sort of so sort of in your face, which is kind of what they needed to be. And so, mm. my favourite era then for Kylie is the Kylie Minogue album, the 1994 album, mm. where suddenly yeah. we, went, we went clean, minimalist. Yeah. You know, we went sort of suddenly we're like, you know, this is all about a very different story. This is someone who's mature, still sexy, but you know, this is still cheeky, but you know, it's you know, it's such a beautiful vibe there. Like those Rankin photos that, you know, oh. from the cover and from the singles, the ones with the headphones on. Yeah. I mean, just sublime. They really are. The, that stuff. And I think, you know, all of that stuff that, because um, this is Mark Farrow who did the design for um, for all of that stuff of that album, kind of that era, you know, who worked for all the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. I think he's still has probably the Pet Shop Boys design, basically. But you know, he needs to have his own exhibition because that those those the stuff that he's designed literally were works of art. I mean, I want to see that at the Tate Modern. There needs to be all of that stuff with you know the Kylie album covers, the Kylie singles from this era. Yeah, it's that good. I mean, they're works of art. They really yeah. are. Or in the Minogue Museum in Melbourne. Yes. Of course, in the Minogue Museum. <laughs> yes. Or maybe the Tate could lend them to the Mu- Minogue yes. Museum. Yes, yes, that that seems appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> on loan, yeah, it's part of a special exhibition, like the you know the winter masterpieces or whatever they do at the NGV. <laughs> well, they are, they, they are literally masterpieces. And yeah, I think they haven't taken a lot of that stuff seriously enough. But um, you know, when you just look at them, you know how you know thirty years later, you know um, almost thirty years later, you know they still look timeless and classic. Mm. They evoke so much kind of stuff, which is what great art does. I mean, whereas when you look at those other pieces of the the stock and Morton ones, you're like, okay, they're 80s, they're this, yeah. they're that kind of thing. You know, but whereas these other ones, I mean, you know, this could be Kylie's album cover today if she wanted to, that Kylie Minogue 1994 one, you know, she wanted to do that, you know, and it would still look cool. It would still look really classy. So, And, of course, yeah. you know, getting glasses on the front cover is always very important because that instantly makes you look sort of smarter as well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Power suit, glasses. <laughs> <laughs> is it smash hits time adam it is it is Eliza. oh my god i'm very excited about this in the back of your incredible i'm a huge fan of the pop life smash hits australia story that you co-wrote and at the back of that book you listed 
your all-time top 10, Madonna as the Queen of Pop at number one, Kylie as the Princess of Pop at number two, Pet Shop Boys at three. Uh, the top 10 is amazing and also includes my personal hero, Pete Burns, by way of Dead or Alive. Has anything in your all-time top 10 changed since that book was published? Um, I'd say maybe Dua Lipa would probably be somewhere there. Right. I'm really, I'm really excited by her. I really love what she's done and... Um, that she's made it seem so effortless as well. Mm. I mean, yeah. you know, there's, who else has managed to do a record with Madonna and with Kylie? You know, that's, <laughs> nobody else has managed to do that. God love her. So you know, props to, to Dua, basically, for that. Mm. Well, taking it back to those Smash Hits days, I, yeah. I would love to know more, particularly uh, about the time that, uh, quote, a drugged-up boy George attacked you for approving of Madonna. Can you please elaborate more? Because I think about that little bit in that book multiple times a week. <laughs> so the, the, the story is, I mean, let's, let's try and make it as short as I can. So in 1989, um, I did my very first trip to, uh, well, outside of Australia, and it was to London. I took a competition winner to London. Uh, they won a prize where they got to meet, there was a band called Breathe, um, and if anyone wants to Google them, their big hit was called Hands to Heaven, which was a big hit. <laughs> they were trying to break, and Virgin was trying to break them everywhere. And um, so they thought they were going to be the next big thing. And so we had this competition, this, uh, this girl won. And so I, I was, I accompanied her. She was, I think she was 18. So she was a little late. So I accompanied her. She was 18 and I, we, I took her um, to London. And um, so, you know, she got to spend a day with the band, which was great. And then we, were, we went to, um, to Virgin, whose headquarters was in, I think it was um, in Notting Hill or somewhere around there kind of thing. And they had their big office there. And um, they gave us like all this stuff, all these great um, things. I got my first copy of Inner City um, album, which I loved. And uh, Peter Gabriel had all this world music stuff. They gave me this big box of world music, which oh. was great. Um, and then they said, oh, and George is here too, if you want to speak to him. And I'm like, George? And they're like, oh, George. And I was like, oh, okay. And um, the girl I was with, my, my competition, said, oh, my God, I'm the biggest Boy George fan. And I was like, okay, well, let's go and do it then. So we went up there and she came and sat in the interview and she sat next to George. Literally, she was like, you know, so starstruck that, you know, that she was the whole time. And, um, but we were, and you know, we were talking about stuff. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, Madonna obviously came up in conversation. And then, he, and then he said to me, so you like Madonna then, do you? And I was like, yeah, I do. I, you know, I like her music. I like her. He said, how can you like her? You know, she's, you know, she's all this, she's this, that, the other kind of thing like, on his big rant kind of stuff about her. And, and, and then he told the story about how, um, you know, he'd just been to her, I think it was her 30th birthday party. He said, you know, she invited me a 30th birthday party. And then she, she had this big cake and she blew out all the candles. And then she said, that's the best blow. That's the easiest blow job I've had all year. <laughs> and, you know, and here's my, my little fan sitting there like this. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh my god and then george said oh so um he said so tonight i've got i'm having my big um house club night do you guys want to come and we're like okay sure you know looking at we it was our last night i think in london and uh so he had a night called um the daisy chain at the brixton fridge and uh, that he that he was running and he said i'll put your name on the door and so i was like okay sure and so my little my little um uh person I was with she said oh we have to go we have to go we have to go and I said, oh, okay so, anyway, so, we, so we, we went and of course we went to the door and then we said oh we're on boy George's guest list and they said mm, no can't find you here no mm -mm, kind of thing and um and I was like oh you know, shit what you know he's 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 done this on purpose and so then I said well actually we're from smash hits and they went oh great come on in 
and right. then we went straight in kind of thing you know oh. it's literally doors opened you know kind of thing Ashes was the magic word kind of thing. <laughs> and then we went in there and I remember so that was my first experience of the summer of love 1989 in London you know, where it was just like crazy and you know there was you know it, it was like nothing in Australia at that time really <laughs> Well, talking of Madonna, she was my immediate gateway into the pop world from a very young age. So the story in Pop Life about you attending the Cannes premiere of yeah. Truth or Dare, it's something I'd love to hear about because that's such a visually iconic night in the history of Madonna's looks as well. And to top it all off, I loved that you mentioned also at one point you were waiting outside of that event with Tina Turner. Can you please tell us about this incredible night? <laughs> okay, well, it wasn't a whole night. I mean, it was a couple of days. So right. um, this is in 1991 when Madonna was premiering her Truth or Dare, which is called In Bed with Madonna documentary, and she premiered it at the Cannes Film Festival. So I was sent there to cover this. Um, and, um, and the night that I arrived, they had the big party um, for it. And this was, you know, this huge party at some big palatial hotel on, in Cannes kind of thing. And um, there were all her dancers were there and, um, you know, most of the people who were featured in the, the movie were there as well. And um, I remember standing at some point, you know, I had Tina Turner was standing next to me, then Dolph Lundgren was on the other side of me. Oh, my and then, God. <laughs> and then I remember that Madonna and her entourage, so Madonna is very small, mm. not you know, tall in case anyone doesn't know this, a bit like Carly. They're not particularly tall people. Um, and I'm, you know, over six foot two. So I'm standing there, you know, with Dolph, who's also quite tall. And then suddenly Madonna and her entourage, they sort of come past. And they're almost like, it's like a cluster. And, um, and if you've ever seen a hovercraft move, it's kind of like a hovercraft. It's kind of like, mm, veers past, you know, this sort of, you know, a blur kind of thing. Oh you know? <laughs> and it just sort of moves past, kind of almost like that, without feet touching the, 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 the red carpet. Right, just gliding along. <laughs> But I, I mean, I remember from that time, I mean, so I, I had to interview, I was trying to interview Alec Kashishian as well, who was there, the director of, um, of that um, movie, right. the documentary. Um, and also then obviously the premiere actually happened, which of course the iconic moment is where, you know, Madonna has this big um, cape and then of course at the top of the stairs, throws off the cape and of course she's got, you know, brown panties and stuff on there kind of thing and a big dirty grin on her face. <laughs> that was of course the photo that went around the world kind of thing. Um, so, um, but I remember I was so sick during that time. I got terrible, terrible food poisoning while I was there. Whether it was from a party, I don't know. It might have been. Um, and I just remember it was such hard work trying to sort of write this story and send it to them from the, the Cannes Film Festival area, watch the movie, try and speak to Alec Kishishi and report on the, the party while being so, so terribly sick. All you wanted to do was curl up and go to bed. Kind of that's that's my memory of it. it sound, you know, it should be so glamorous and fabulous. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, we started the interview sort of talking about Kylie and Abba. So, as we head yeah. towards the end of it, I would love to know, Mark. Obviously, being such a huge Abba fan yourself, what do you think of the new album and the upcoming Technology Fuel tour? Well, I'm going to see. I'm going to go see the concert on the third year. And Amazing. the way I'm looking at it is, you know what? I have no expectations right. except just to go there and just to see what happens kind of thing. You know, I'm not going to think, go there already thinking this has to be the greatest thing I ever want to see. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it's in a way it's, it's not, it is Amber, but it's not obviously. Mm. I mean, it's holograms. It's a new technology. I mean, look, it's George Lucas. And I mean, you know, if anyone can do this properly and do right. it well, it's going to be that him and his lot, basically. Totally. So I'm very interested to see what they can do. Be interested to see what the track listing is they can do. 
The album, um, I just think, you know, uh, Don't Shut Me Down is a classic ABBA track. Mm -hmm. you, know, belongs to, you know, all of their hits. Mm -hmm. And I think Ode to Freedom, which is the last song. Oh, there, yes. It's just such a stirring, beautiful, poignant song, mm -hmm. especially, you know, because it's been used now for a lot of um, concerts for Ukraine and um, oh, for, you know, for freedom stuff as well. And been sung by choirs and things. If you've seen some of the versions that have been on online recently, I mean, I think that song is really going to be, have legs. That's going to be probably the song from that record that will become a timeless classic because it is so stirring, so moving kind of thing. So, mm. yeah. Well, Kylie Song by Song is out now and it is absolutely incredible. Make sure you all go out and check it out. Totally such a complete encyclopedia of Kylie Minogue. I'm glad you know, it, it really means a lot to me that you guys like it and that um, you love it because... I was really worried about it because I thought, you know, I have to get this right. And mm. they've, they've since asked me to write six more in the Song by Song series. Wow. Um, like Beers and um, Pet Shop Boys and um, a few other people, Robbie Williams. And I said no because to do these books properly and to do them justice, you need to be a real fan. Yeah, otherwise, I agree. Otherwise, yes. it's just not going to work. And otherwise, the people who read these books who are fans are just going to go, this is crap. You know, yeah. this is not be and oh i know more than what's in this book kind of thing right. yeah well i think that was the that was what was enjoyable um about it is that i could tell i was reading a fan's sort of account of it which mm. you know and then because you know we all get defensive of our favorite pop stars like yeah, and so and there was no need for that so even if like there was something that you know you might have not liked as much as I did. It's not like I, you know, I mean, I'm neither Adam and I are like that anyway. Mm, but yeah. you know, when you know someone's a fan and a really passionate fan, it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, that's their favorite, and this is mine. Or like whatever, it doesn't matter. And that really comes across. Yeah, and I always tried to make it so. Even if I thought this song wasn't particularly good for whatever reason that was, personally, or I would try and find something interesting to say about it, or I would say, you know, look. The original version probably didn't work because of this reasons, but there's a there's a remix that was done here that actually really turns this into something much more yes. point. Yeah. So you know, trying to give you the options and trying to sort of you can decide then. But you know, personally, you know, this probably doesn't work here because of this or the other. But have a listen to this one, this version or or this take. This is probably you know where what is more interesting then. Yeah, well, it's going to come in very handy when we're doing this podcast because oh, we yeah. will just have it's going to be like a little Bible next to us that we can just <laughs> cross reference. I'll be very soon. So uh, I know there's a couple of people have got them in Australia. So when we were emailing setting this up, you said to remind you about the story of your boss at Smash Hits sitting That's on Kylie's right. bed. And I feel like this is going to be the pinnacle of this interview. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be the pinnacle, but it, um, <laughs> it, it did remind me. So this is um, before I started at Smash Hits. So this is James Manning, who was the editor of Smash Hits and started Smash Hits in Australia. And he's a great guy. He's still a friend of mine. He interviewed me as well about the book for Media Week because he went on to uh, run and start Media Week as well for 20 years. And I worked for him for 10 years as lead for Media Week. Um, so this, the story was that um, this would be the first cover t uh, story that Kylie did for Smash Hits. So... Um, mid-1987, around the time that the locomotion's coming out. And, you know, so, you know, Mushroom obviously were determined to get her on the cover and to make it a big thing. And Smash Hits at that time was still in Melbourne as well. And so for some reason, I don't know, you know, this would never happen now. But, you know, he was, um, because she was working all day on Neighbours, filming Neighbours, 
you know, it, he had to wait until she she came home from finishing her work at Neighbours to do the interview. And uh, so I think it was probably like about five or six o'clock in the evening. And uh, so he knocked on the door. Carol Minogue answered the door and said, hi, yes, she's not home yet. He said, but, you know, go, go, go and sit in her room. You can just sit and wait for her in the room and I'll make, and I'll make you a cup of tea. Oh, Carol. <laughs> oh, bless her. Oh, my God. So, and, and then, you know, Kylie eventually showed up, you know, I don't know how much later. And then, you know, James and Kylie sat on Kylie's bed, did this interview kind of thing and uh you know, the rest is history you know wow. so, yeah. Yeah, the 80s the 80s you kind of think this, these things would never happen now kind of thing you know but, um, that, that was then and this is now i guess Incredible. did he stay for dinner like carol cooked dinner like, i have i'll, I'll have to ask but i think he was probably knowing carol and um I would probably imagine yes. He was probably asked. Yeah, like I, I say this all seriousness. Like if he arrived at five, like I'm working out the timeline. You know, Ron's getting home from work. Knowing James, though, he probably didn't want to impose, though. You know, and also he probably thought, I've got the interview. I just want to go now because he, he's not someone who sort of wants to hang around and kind of thing. So, yeah. Oh, I would have been. She would. They would have been able to get rid of me. It would have been like three days later. Are you leaving? <laughs> Please get out of our house. That's why James was the interviewer and you weren't. Exactly. <laughs> well, in my defence, I was 10, so. <laughs> exactly, yes. That was a bit of a difference. Oh, my gosh. That's a good story about Kylie. And the other thing I didn't also tell you was um, when um, I remembered that in 2007, Mardi Gras in Sydney, we, they did a big tribute to Kylie Float. Um, and they had like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dancers. I don't need to remember for Kylie, you know, because it was all about, you know, she just managed to get through the cancer and everyone just wanted to cheer her on and sort of mm. wish her well. They organized this huge Kylie float kind of thing. And they had like different sections with different colors and different songs, I think it even was. Wow. And um, I don't know how it happened, but I became, they had a huge big letter K, um, you know, huge, huge, you know, like like two-story high leather K on wheels, and I was one of six leather men who had to drag this this huge leather K. Oh my of, god! Ahead of the float um, that came behind us with all the all the Carliettes kicking and dancing and and, and uh, singing along afterwards, kind of thing. So that's another great Carly moment then that I was one of the Carly's leather men. Is, <laughs> wow. is that photo? Is there a photo of that in the book? There's no photo of that in the book. I do have a photo of me with a couple of the other leatherettes, but um, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Uh, I, I just remember that by the time we we got up Oxford Street and we got to where you know the park where um, the the party was, literally the all we could do was just dump that huge pink leather cage. <laughs> <laughs> and someone just said, oh, they'll come and get it the next day. Because, you know, dragging a huge thing up the road, it's hard work. Yes. Know? So, you know, oh, only for Kylie would I do that. Yes. Well, you, you wouldn't drag a large glitter M up uh, for um, Madonna. Possibly. But you know what? This was a very special time for Kylie. Because, you know, everyone yeah. just wanted to wish her well and wish her get better. And, you know, there was so much love back yeah. then. Yeah. And I think that she felt that as well because I remember that she, yeah. she commented about, you know, it was so wonderful to see this float. So, yeah. It was nice to be part of that as well. Yeah. And nice not to be a, a journalist watching and reporting, but actually to take part in it as well. Mm. To feel that, you know, I'm actually, I am a Kylie fan and I can yeah. be part of it as well, not just to be the observer, you know, as yeah. I usually am. Yeah. Were you living here then? Was that when you were still here? 
Yeah, so I went. I moved back to in Australia in two thousand and one, right? And um, and then I moved back to London here in uh, twenty twelve. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah. So I've been here for ten years now. Right. And now, of course, the Kylie's fled and gone back. Kexit, as it's called. Um, yeah. <laughs> blown the coop, gone back. So you know, I don't know what's ahead for me, but you know, look, I understand why because you know my parents aren't getting any younger, and someone's going to have to look after them. So. This may also have to happen. Mm. Oh, well, I think that's about it. Yeah. Thank us. you again, Mark, so, so much for chatting to us on This Is Disco. Did you want to quickly right. let the people know about your Poptastic page and where they can find that if they would like to follow along? Yeah, sure. So if you just, um, I mean, so basically, I mean, this also leads into my next book project, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um trying to sort of curate the best of the smash hits uk because obviously i wrote the pop life co-wrote the pop life book about australian smash hits mm. we kind of feel like there needs to be um, a book about the smash hits uk as oh, well definitely there isn't kind of a real book about that and so what i did first was i, I found these archives and uh, there's some terrific people who, who put these archives together because the publisher just doesn't have anything more they just got rid of it the same in australia they just got rid of everything which is just shocking and so luckily these fans of these Smash Hits fans have put all this stuff together. And so I've been going through curating it and uh, finding stuff. So like, for example, for Kylie's birthday, then we find, you know, stuff from uh, that uh, would relate to that. Either it's posters or it's song words or interviews and things, or on certain days, who was on the cover 30 years ago or 40 years mm. ago, yeah. uh, stuff like that, or this is when this was released. And, you know, stuff. So it's kind of curating the, the, the content kind of thing. So, you know, if you're interested in pop music and, you know, obviously Kylie, there's a lot of Kylie stuff in there, Madonna, there's, you know, just everyone who was, you know, of that era from 1978 up until t- 2006 when mm-hmm. Smash UK finished, you know, basically that's what we cover kind of thing. Uh, as long as we've actually got the material for it, because unfortunately later on in um, the last couple of years, there's some big holes in the archives. But up until about the early 90s, pretty much all the copies are there kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is really nice. So, you know, it's been great to go and do research for things like, you know, Impossible Princess and um, you know, 25 years on and find out what was what they were doing then and how they perceived Kylie and the reviews and things and stuff like that. So that's that's really interesting as well. So, so yeah, so it's on Facebook. It's um, at Poptastic Smash Hits. Just have a search for that on Facebook and um, hopefully like us. And, um, yeah, and uh, we'll be doing that for at least a while. And it's hopefully leading into a book then that we want to do, which will be kind of looking at the history of Smash It UK, but giving it some context. So, you know, when we were doing, I just wrote a chapter actually on, um, you know, what used to be called gender bending. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's the whole section with, you know, as we mentioned, Pete Burns and Marilyn, Boy George, Annie Lennox. And so trying to put that then in the context of, so from that to where we are now with sort of this concept of gender fluid, how does that all work together then? How does that fit kind of thing? Because, you know, back in the 80s, these were all kind of very sort of, you know, underground it's almost subversive kind of concepts yeah. kind of you know, which weren't mainstream at all Definitely. kind of thing you know? and so to to come like 30 40 years later to where we are now so it's being able to sort of put that into into its context and you know picking out bits and pieces of um interviews that people have done with marilyn or you know with boy george what he said here or, or annie lennox you know a recent interview that she's done where she said you know she felt insulted being called a gender better and she loves the term gender fluid so that was my starting point for that mm. section then. and uh, of course, there's a terrific cover of Smash Hits UK where Boyd George and Annie Lennox were together on the cover, which is amazing, a great mm. cover. And so that, that will, of course, will hopefully will feature in that if we, if we can get the book done. And so that's kind of my next project, basically. 
Excellent. Will we be able to find you on Twitter and Instagram at some point? Or are you um, steering clear you know, of that? <laughs> I have sort of made, I made some vague inroads on Instagram, but I just kind of found, you know, Facebook is kind of enough for me at the moment. And uh, mm. if people want to, just send me a message on Facebook. If you, you, you find me there on through Poptastic, you know, you can contact me and um, get in touch with me there. So, and I'm usually on a lot of the, the forums, the Kylie forums, the Madonna forums, mm. those kind of things as well. I'm usually around. So, um, if people need to get in touch with me and you know, if you want to give me feedback about either of the books, about the Kylie book or the Madonna book and tell me, I mean, you know, I, I would hope that I got most of the stuff right. And, um, <laughs> you, know, you know, I did really try and check it and proof it and try and make sure that I'm sure there's a few, maybe, but hopefully for the most part, you know, it is accurate. And you also feel that it's done with love, you know, that that's the important thing that, you know, and that when you yeah. read this, that, you know, you feel, oh my God, this is why I'm a Kylie fan. You know, this yeah. is, I feel the love here, you know, and this is, this is exactly, you know, what, what I need, you know, because it is, as I said, you know, being a fan of someone, that devotion, it's one of the great love stories of your life. And people who don't have that, I feel really sad for them because, you know, it's just such a great comfort to have that, you know, like for whenever I need to feel, you know, a, a pick me up or if you need to feel good or feel better, I just stick on that disco extended mixes yeah. and, and off I go and I'm just, I'm just there. It just takes me to such a much better place. That's the beauty of music. That's the beauty of being a fan, basically, and obviously of, you know, that record too as well. Big huge thank you once again to Mark for taking the time to chat to us all about his incredible Kylie encyclopedia, Kylie Minogue, song by song. An absolute pleasure and such a lovely step back in time, (laughs) dearie me, to talk about his incredible book. Oh, well, Eliza, that's us done for the month, eh? It is. And if you're wanting to purchase Mark's book, um, hop on the usual websites for purchasing books. Right. Um, I think if you're in the UK, you probably can find it a bit easier in store. Right. Okay. I'm yep. not sure. I haven't ventured to a bookstore in Australia just yet. No. So I can't confirm either way its availability, but definitely available online. I right. have ordered my copy. It's in the mail. Mm-hmm. So definitely do that. Dummy. Make sure you check out This Is Disco on the socials and at our merchandise store, which is just recently-ish launched. Mm-hmm. Eliza, where can the lovely people find us on the trusty internets? You can find us at This Is Disco on Instagram and Twitter and at This Is Disco podcast on the TikToks. Amazing. And where can <laughs> they find you, my dear Eliza? You can find me at Ms. Eliza Day on Twitter and Instagram. And just on Instagram, I would just, a uh, little disclaimer, sometimes my profile is going on private temporarily. <laughs> um, and sometimes I'm not seeing notifications at the moment because, and this is going to make me sound like an absolute wanker, I did this post, which you know about because it's been the absolute bane of my existence for the past couple of weeks. I shared this funny Muppets Dirty Dancing tweet um, on my Instagram because I thought my handful of followers would get a lull out of it, um, which they did at first, and I moved along with my life. And, you know, I made sure I tagged the person who posted it on Twitter. I found her on Instagram, tagged her there. So all credit went where they were. I'm assuming it's been shared somewhere because I have like almost 300,000 <laughs> like 
notifications and like it's been viewed like six million times or something. <laughs> so all my notifications, not that I they come up on my phone because I've got that turned off constantly for social media, but if I open Instagram, they're the only notifications I see. So I would like to apologise to anyone that's <laughs> tagged me or messaged me. I'm not ignoring. I'm not. Um, <laughs> Like dismissing anyone. I'm not seeing the notifications because of this. Right. The Muppets have um, taken me down. (laughs) Anyway, I'm really hoping this will die down soon. But it's, yeah. So much for us not being influencers. Oh, my. (laughs) Anyway, um, more importantly, where can we find you on the interwebs? You can find me at The Record Doctor, all one word on both Twitter and Instagram, which is also my monthly radio show on Mixcloud. I'm also over at Aloud Podcast, or one word, and also both on Twitter and Instagram. That's my Girls Aloud Podcast, You Can't Mistake Their Anthology, with an all-new episode dropping in a few weeks' time. And I've also just semi-recently launched a brand-new podcast called The Doctor Pop Pod, or The Record Doctor Pop Podcast. You can find that on Podcasting Everywhere, but also at Dr. Pop Pod, or one word, on both Twitter and Instagram. TheRecordDoctor.com, if any of that's a nightmare to remember. <laughs> and Adam Eve, A-D-E-M-E-V-E, on Twitter, with a dot between Adam and Eve on Insta. <laughs> Big breath. <laughs> Thank God. Failing that, that well, there is a link tree in our This Is Disco bio that will just, you know, guide you where you need right, to go. Right, right. I accept Carrier Pigeon... <laughs> Telegram, singing Telegram. Yes, yep. yes, anything. I've been to it all. Yes, and also our merch store that is in our link tree bio. But if you're wanting to head there right now because you need a Danny All I Want to Do hoodie or perhaps a Confide in Me phone case, right. I believe there are shower curtains if you're renovating, <laughs> lots, yeah. duvet covers. That is this is disco.threadless.com. Yeah, plenty of fun bits and pieces. They're little stickers if you just want to stick something on your laptop. Yeah, yeah. Heaps of stuff. And as yeah. for our next episode, let's let's just say this. It's a Kylie episode again, because mm-hmm. we haven't done a Kylie album in a while. And we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. We'll leave it at that. I, I'm very excited about this one. Same, so. same. I've been... I've been this is the episode I've been most looking forward to doing since we started the podcast. So, yeah, looking forward to it. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this month's incredible episode as well, by the way. And we'll see you thank on the next you, one. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, thank you thank so much, Mark. Yeah, amazing, amazing to chat to him about the book and his time at Smash Hits and his little Kylie anecdotes. It was a big, big pleasure. So thank you once again. Love and kisses, dance floor darlings. You're listening to This Is Disco, a monthly Danny and Kylie Minogue commentary podcast with your hosts Adam Eve and Eliza Day.